Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up. A House panel accusing a federal agency of targeting Twitter since Elon Musk took over. Safety regulators turning up the heat on Tesla after two owners say their steering wheels came off while they were driving. Which models were they? Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell trying to calm market fears. He says officials have not made a decision yet on the next rate hike. As artificial intelligence is quickly transforming the world, lawmakers are struggling to keep up, seems like. Senators hold a hearing on risks from AI like faster bioweapon development in China. The White House refusing to confirm who may have blown up the gas pipelines in Europe, saying it wants to wait for Europe's investigation. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Good to have you with us. Don Ma here. The National Transportation Safety Board plans to investigate Norfolk Southern. The railway has come under fire for two train derailments in Ohio that happened just weeks apart and a handful of other incidents as well. The NTSB says it will examine the company's safety culture. The railroad has had five serious accidents since December 2021 that resulted in three deaths. While the government's investigation will take some time, it will also ask Norfolk Southern to immediately review and assess its safety practices. The agency urged the company to get input from its employees and make any changes necessary. A House panel has accused the Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, of harassing Twitter after Elon Musk took over. The Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government released a report yesterday. It highlights the FTC's alleged overreach in making more than 350 specific demands for information within three months of Elon Musk taking over. The FTC also wanted the names of journalists who were granted access to internal Twitter files. Several journalists published a series of exposés detailing how Twitter censored speech, dubbed the Twitter files. The House panel report says, quote, the demands have no basis in the FTC's statutory mission and appear to be the result of partisan pressure to target Twitter and silence Musk. Elon Musk also responded, tweeting, this is a serious attack on the Constitution by a federal agency. The FTC defended its probe, telling the Epoch Times that it's conducting a rigorous investigation. And the order came long before Musk took over. The FTC is not Elon Musk's only problem, seems like. An investigation into Tesla. Over two complaints of steering wheels that detached while the vehicles were in motion. Entity Star Marshall has more. U.S. auto safety regulators have opened an investigation into Tesla's Model Y SUV after two complaints that the steering wheels can come off while vehicles are being driven. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says in both cases, the Model Ys were delivered to customers with a missing bolt that holds the wheel to the steering column. Automotive analyst Paul Fix notes that recalls happen all the time, but when it's Tesla, we have to talk about it. Little mistakes can happen here and there. Torque specs being off on a bolt on the steering wheel is not the end of the world. If you were driving the car, it could be really bad, but I don't think regulation can actually um, help fix this situation as it is. It really comes down to uh, quality control at the manufacturer level. A Twitter post with over 2.4 million views from one owner included a video of the detached steering wheel and pictures of the white Tesla being towed. The owner complained on Twitter that the Tesla Service Center charged an estimate of $103.96 to repair the problem. Fix mentioned Tesla vehicles having quality problems. And you expect it to be 
you know, really buttoned up like a BMW or a Lexus or something, and, and their quality levels have been consistently not hitting the mark. The man was later given the option of keeping the car or getting it replaced with a new one. He appears to be happy with his new Tesla Y. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And as artificial intelligence rapidly transforms virtually every industry, changing millions of lives, regulators are asking, what are the risks? That was the key theme of a Senate hearing today, where lawmakers took turns questioning AI experts. The hearing's participants brought up many risks, bias, discrimination, errors, security challenges, and the lack of visibility over how results are formed. Jason Matheny, president of the global think tank Rand Corporation, argues that AI could be a threat to national security. The technologies are driven by commercial entities that are frequently outside our national security frameworks. The technologies are advancing quickly, typically outpacing policies and organizational reforms within government. Assessments of the technologies require expertise that's concentrated in the private sector and that's rarely been used for national security. And the technologies lack conventional intelligence signatures that distinguish benign from malicious use, that differentiate intentional from accidental misuse, or that permit attribution with confidence. And of course, China was frequently brought up. Tensions between the U.S. and China have been on the rise. And Senator Christian Sinema asked about what advantages and disadvantages the U.S. has against China. America may lose if we focus solely on the size of our data sets, since, frankly, China's authoritarian system lends itself to vacuuming up vast volumes of data with few privacy protections. In contrast, America's competitive advantage may be our values if we can translate these values into developing AI that is transparent, efficient, and fair. Jason Matheny, president of the Rand Corporation, says America is currently the global leader in AI by most measures. And the Chinese regime, of course, it wants to replace America, but Matheny says America has major advantages over China. The first is that we are a much more attractive destination for the world's computer scientists um, and engineers. Many of those scientists and engineers are attracted by our values, so I think those values are a deep part of our asymmetric advantage. Um, A second advantage that we have is our ability to work with allies and partners. Um, The United States and China each were responsible for about 25% of global research and development spending. Um, When you add the U.S. and its allies and add China and its allies, China's percentage doesn't increase um, because it doesn't have alliances with strong technological powers. Now, Matheny is extremely worried about how AI can speed up the development of technologies like cyber weapons, large-scale disinformation attacks, and advanced bioweapons. Countries uh, like China that have historically invested in uh, biological weapons um, and that have uh, demonstrated an interest in uh, ethnically targeted weapons um, greatly concern me. Um, The use of AI for so-called genome-wide association studies uh, to try to identify how one would uh, ethnically target particular pathogens um, is one area of special concern. And the hearing ended on this question. When is artificial general intelligence coming? Artificial general intelligence is when the AI program can learn anything, just like a human can. Right now, AI programs can only focus on specific tasks, tasks like answering questions, scanning images, or translating languages. Artificial general intelligence, if developed, would be able to do all these things and more. 
And many prominent figures like Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking, and Elon Musk have warned about the dangers of artificial general intelligence. Musk believes it could even lead to the possible end of human civilization. It's also the theme of many classic movies like 2001 Space Odyssey, The Terminator, and The Matrix. But when asked when artificial general intelligence was coming, not one person was able to answer. And moving on, President Biden is set to unveil his budget Thursday in Philadelphia. A central part of his proposal is cutting the federal deficit by $2 trillion. The president has offered several revenue-raising proposals to help him reach his deficit reduction goals, including a new tax on households worth more than $100 million and quadrupling tax on stock buybacks. Biden has also proposed cost-saving measures, such as expanding Medicare's ability to negotiate the price of certain prescription drugs. The president's budget is unlikely to become law, though, as presidential budgets rarely pass through Congress untouched. More details are expected in the coming days. On Wall Street, stocks ended mixed today. The Dow fell 58 points, or 0.2 percent. S&P added 6 points, or 0.1 percent. And the Nasdaq added 46 points, or 0.4 percent. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell today reaffirmed his message of higher and potentially faster interest rate hikes. Powell attempted to calm investor fears and make clear that officials have not yet made a final call on the size of the next rate increase. We have not made any decision about the March meeting. We're not going to do that until we see the, the additional data. The larger point, though, <clears throat> is that we're not on a preset path and that we will be guided by the incoming data and the evolving outlook. Powell was also asked if he would pause interest rate hikes to avoid a recession. Powell responded that he takes the question very seriously, but he can't give a yes or no answer because he doesn't know all the facts yet. Even though he didn't answer, he has previously admitted that he is trying to cool the economy. Joining me now is Joseph Trevisani, senior analyst at FX Street. Now, Joseph, I remember in a prior interview, you said that the markets are not convinced on Powell's hawkish rhetoric. Now, we had the hearing today and yesterday as well. Is the market convinced now, do you think? Yes, thank you for having me. I think they are. And I think one of Mr. Powell's purposes in yesterday and today's testimony, which has been long scheduled, of course, was to convince the markets that they're going to be a little more stricter, more strict against inflation than it seemed uh, two months ago. Markets had been positioning for one more rate hike, maybe two more, and then a pause, and then anticipating a recession, or at least a slowdown in job growth and the economy, perhaps a beginning rate cuts in the end of the year. <clears throat> that was the original market position two or three months ago. I think that's considerably changed. How has it changed? What's, uh, what do they believe now? Well, right now we have about a 70% chance, according to CME futures, of a uh, half a point hike this month rather than a quarter point. And the end point has moved up from 5.1, 5.2 to almost 5.7 at the end of the year. This is according to the futures. What do you think changed? Because I feel like Powell has been hawkish in his tone since the last meeting. So what's different? You're absolutely right. Powell has been hawkish. What's changed are the inflation numbers. The inflation numbers that came out for January were much higher than expected. 
and the ones that they're anticipating for February are also higher. Markets had really anticipated that we had reached the peak and the tail was starting to commence. Rates were going to go, the inflation rates were going to go down every month. That didn't happen. They went back up. They were much higher than the market expected. So I think that is the real difference. So in the last hike, we had a 25 basis point increase. So if the Fed increases by 50 basis points this time, does that mean the Fed made a mistake? Well, I certainly wouldn't say that, but I mean, the Fed has made a number of mistakes here. The main problem is going back to the lockdowns and the recovery after that, the Fed's anticipation or the, what the Fed said for many, many months was that we have a temporary inflation. It was clearly an error of major proportions. They don't want to make that error again. So they are more inclined, I think, to be perhaps harsher than they might be against inflation because of that prior mistake. So yes, you're right. The Fed probably did make a mistake last month, last meeting. And just one last thing, if you were an investor, how would you be repositioning? Well, at this point, you know, the bond markets certainly anticipate ahead of any um, anything that the Fed actually does. The balance is now tilted towards higher rates, towards lower bond prices, and as we've seen over the past couple of days, toward lower stock prices. So if you have to make a judgment, a guess, at the moment, that's where you have to go, and that's what the markets are saying. What if Friday's, let's say, job report uh, is very strong? What happens then? It'll go even, it'll even add more fuel to this particular fire on rates because the Fed has been concerned about the job market. The, the markets look at the job market probably as the most crucial fact after the actual inflation numbers as to what, what gives the, what leeway the Fed has to act. And one of the things that they were anticipating several months ago was that the job market would cool. The job market hasn't cooled, at least according to the non-farm payroll numbers. So if you get a, another strong job report on Friday, that will tell the markets and tell the Fed that the economy can stand yet higher rates. And that will be the anticipation across all markets. Right. And the job market, many are saying that it's, it has a delayed reaction. So down the road, we might very well see a rise in unemployment. But thank you very much today, Joseph Trevisani. Always great speaking to you. Thank you for having me. The Chinese government could use TikTok to control data on millions of users. That's according to FBI Director Christopher Wray when he appeared for the Senate Intelligence Committee today. Senator Marco Rubio asked Ray more questions about how China could manipulate users of the popular app to their advantage. Here's that exchange. Could they use TikTok to control data on millions of users? Uh, yes. Could they use it to control the software on millions of devices given the opportunity to do so? Yes. Could they use it to drive narratives, uh, like to divide Americans against each other? For example, let's say China wants to invade Taiwan to make sure that Americans are seeing videos arguing why Taiwan belongs to China and why the U.S. should not intervene? Yes. Ray's comments come a day after the head of the U.S. National Security Agency testified before the same committee. He told them he worries TikTok could censor videos to shape public opinion in a way that threatens U.S. national security interests. 
The White House said yesterday that it backed a Senate bill which would give the administration new powers to ban TikTok, marking a shift for the White House in its approach to TikTok. And the White House seems like won't confirm a report claiming who is behind the Nord Stream pipeline explosion last year. Earlier, the New York Times reported a pro-Ukrainian group may have been involved in the attack of the pipelines last September. The paper cited new intel from U.S. officials. But the White House says it won't get ahead of the European partners' investigation. Germany, Sweden, and Denmark are probing the cause of the blasts. We have full faith and confidence in the investigation that they're running. Uh, of course, we're going to wait for those investigations to conclude. Uh, we'll see what they say. But uh, again, we have full faith and confidence uh, in our European partners who are behind this. The blast disrupted a crucial conduit of energy between Russia and Europe. According to the Times, the sabotage was not carried out with the aid of any British or American nationals. The Times narrative comes just weeks after a blog post from veteran U.S. journalist Seymour Hersh, where he reported that the leak was the result of a, quote, covert sea operation allegedly by the United States. Meanwhile, an aide for Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said its government was, quote, absolutely not involved. Russia has not yet confirmed the reported findings from U.S. intel sources. And new data shows that China's trade with Russia surged in the first two months this year compared to a year earlier. It comes as Beijing says it must advance relations with its neighbor in an increasingly turbulent world. Matthew Laratonda reports. Newly released customs data suggests that international trade between Russia and China is continuing to skyrocket, highlighting how increasingly tight the relationship has become as the relationships with Western powers crumble and Russia's economy particularly grapples with the West's sanctions. China's exports to Russia jumped nearly 20% in January and February, compared to the same period a year ago, a surge to a total worth $15 billion. Meanwhile, China's imports of Russian goods increased by over 31% at the same time. That's $18 billion. It includes Russian oil. China is Russia's biggest buyer of oil, and sales are expected to hit a new record this month. China's trade with Russia already hit a record high last year. Taking a short break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Apple introducing a new iPhone color for spring. And a Florida company planning to use self-driving construction equipment to help build a neighborhood. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Apple is introducing a new color for iPhone 14 and 14 Plus, just in time for spring. Yellow joins the lineup of black, white, red, blue, and purple. Apple is also releasing spring-themed watch bands and silicone cases for iPhones. The company has been in the habit of releasing new colors for spring. Last year, it was alpine green for the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. The year before that, it was purple for the iPhone 12 and 12 mini. You can pre-order the yellow iPhones starting Friday. General availability begins March 14th. 
and the next house you live in might be built by robots, at least partially. You've heard all about autonomous vehicles, and that idea is also hitting construction sites. Florida excavation company Tomahawk is planning to use dump trucks that can drive themselves to help build a neighborhood in Naples. The regular trucks that have been retrofitted with technology made by California company Telio. While Telio says full automation on construction equipment is still years away, the trucks will use what it calls supervised autonomy. That means the equipment can operate itself, but humans can also step in and use remote controls to help out. For now, autonomous construction equipment is expected to be used primarily for land clearing and in dangerous environments like mines. The semi-self-driving dump trucks are scheduled to begin working on the Florida neighborhood this summer. A British company is on a mission to give old garbage and recycling trucks new life. The firm converts old trucks into electric vehicles, extending their working lives by years. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the process. Lunaz not only replaces the truck's engines with electric motors, the company rebuilds them from scratch. The process is called upcycling. Here at Lunaz, we take product that already exists and we upcycle it and electrify it for a clean air future. Take a look at this. This is one of our refuse trucks. This electric recycling truck has been upcycled to clean air powertrain. The diesel-powered trucks can reach the end of their normal working lives after 100,000 or 150,000 miles. But the skeleton of the truck can last for much longer. So Luna's Applied Technologies takes vehicles that already exist in the commercial vehicle space and re-engineers them and upcycles them to clean air powertrain. As you can see behind us, we've got various vehicle classes uh, on different platforms where we've taken product that exists. We're looking at product life extension. If operating at full capacity, Lunaz can convert 1,100 vehicles annually. This upcycling process is so important. It's normality in so many industries. You look at this in aviation, you look at this in rail. These are common practices. In automotive, we've been so used to this replace with new cycle. You've got to look at upcycling product that already exists. Lunaz is looking at fleet operators in both the private and public sectors. The Buckinghamshire Council is just one group interested in the upcycled vehicles. We have a very large fleet of vehicles, uh, both waste vehicles, but also homeschool transport and other vehicles. Uh, we want to move away from traditional dirty fuels towards much cleaner electric power, um, and therefore we're looking at how we can mitigate some of that impact that we have on the environment as quickly as possible. Lunaz says other development projects are currently underway. They include new chassis and vehicle models to meet future fleet and operator needs. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mai. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. Thank you for watching and we'll see you tomorrow.